0: The Cavs cast is back. It is another edition with Josh, me, Josh Polha, my co-host, Seth Wanamaker. Unfortunately, we are not weekly anymore, given that it's the offseason, so it's been two weeks since we've seen you guys. But we are live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, just talking Cavs. Anything and everything Cavs, now that it's the offseason. And it is another official way for next year podcast, uh, brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network. I guess nothing has really changed in the past two weeks. Cavs related at least I know a lot has happened in the NBA playoffs the NBA playoffs have been crazy whether it's injuries or upsets or whatever um but yeah we're just here to talk Cavs looking ahead I looking forward to the offseason uh not really the NBA draft yet given that uh the NBA draft lottery has not occurred yet and that was actually the next time we'll be live is for the NBA draft lottery in two weeks but yeah Seth how are you how are things how do you like the NBA playoffs even though the Cavs are out how's it going
1: yeah, a little bit better spirits than the last time we talked. We were kind of fresh off the Atlanta loss. So a little bit more perspective, a um, little bit more appreciative of the season, feeling good. Uh, I've been locked into the NBA playoffs each night, like double headers every night, 7 o'clock, 10 o'clock. It's been great. Um, very fun, competitive. And I I don't know if I've seen as much carnage as we have in this this current playoffs in a long time. man. every time I, I turn on a game, bodies are flying people are getting ejected double birds from draymond it, this playoff <laughs> this playoff season's got that, it all man i'm having a that,
0: blast. yeah that memphis golden state series it's been an ejection of both series or both games in the series so far uh broken elbow dylan brooks pre- possibly suspended i mean talk about putting it all on the line i i I guess we can. We have plenty of time to talk th- about this, but I don't see this Cavs team being that physical, and I, they're just they just can't honestly. But yeah, that's for further down the road. And we're talking about Memphis and Golden State, who are two of the best teams in the NBA. So it is what it is. Let's just get into it. Uh, let's. I know the first thing we want to do is break down the Cavs roster, whether whether it's players that they have right now or might lose this offseason season, or how they can improve. I know you have it listed. Unrestricted free agents, restricted free agents. I guess you start here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think there's – last time we talked, there's there's a lot of, of different options Kobe has, a lot of different decisions he has to make. Uh, a few different unrestricted guys um, that I'm assuming the Cavs will likely part ways with in Ed Davis, Rajon Rondo, and Brandon Goodwin. Um, two of those guys, however, played meaningful minutes down the stretch in Rajan and Brandon, obviously, with backup point cards. So those all three of those guys are unrestricted. Um, it's been much talked about from a restricted standpoint. Obviously, Colin Sexton is a restricted free agent going into this year, uh, as well as Moses Brown. Um, and then the next couple of guys, if you want to look at who will be on the last years of their deal, is Kevin Love and Karis Levert. And those two names kind of jump out because they make a lot of money. So between the two, they're they're at forty six million dollars. And so, you know, three guys that are unrestricted that I wouldn't be shocked if if really none of them are back. A um, couple guys, mainly Sexton, restricted that I think you and I both went back quite a bit. We can't wait to see this year. Um, and then the final year of their seasons, both guys that I don't know about you, Josh. I don't know how surprised I'd be either way. If either of these guys are playing in a Cavs uniform past um, 2022, 2023, in Love and Love and Karis, just your thoughts in general about let's just maybe start with those two guys, Karis and Love. If if you had to pick one for a certain one, you think is I'll just start
0: I'll start with the uh, unrestricted free agents first. I'm in piece of Pratt, Ed Davis, most likely gone. He was just a veteran guy. Didn't really play much. He's just like a, a locker room guy. So they can always find one of those, I guess. For Sean Rondo, we all we've discussed that multiple times, especially two weeks ago. We definitely did. He was just like a oh shit. We need to trade for a, a point guard type trade guy. He most likely won't be back, I'm assuming. Uh Brandon Goodwin's an interesting one though. I don't know if he did well enough. He played well enough to latch on to like an NBA contract. So I wouldn't be surprised if he if the Cavs sign him to a two-way deal where he splits time between the charge and the Cavs. Because, I mean, yes, he's, like, not an everyday point guard. We all know that. I mean, he in the crucial time, he rarely ever played. But he showed flashes where I wouldn't mind having him as, like, a two-way guy. Just as, like, an insurance policy, I guess. So, out I, of I, those three, I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Goodwin's back, but only on a two-way contract. Uh, restricted free agents. Colin Texan, I guess we can get into it here in a little bit. Moses Brown. See, that's another one. He would, he would showed flashes too. I, he, man, he's, I don't know how much money he's going to want. I wouldn't mind taking him as, I wouldn't say backups. No, I guess he would be, there's no way they're going to carry three centers in this day and age. That's so the question, they, right? Like duty duty or backup yeah. Big. yeah. I don't know. I guess. It would be if they can't do any better, or in free agency or the draft, which I don't know if they would draft like a backup center either. I don't know if if that's worth it. I wouldn't mind Moses Brown being back. Colin Sexton, we'll get to in a little bit, like I said, and then uh, oh, expiring contracts. Do you you brought up the? Uh, do you think either guy will be back following next season? So after two thousand twenty three, I. Man, Kevin Love is a tough one. I don't know it's if you take a hometown. Di- I feel like Kevin Love genuinely tells the truth when he says he wants to retire with the Cavs. I know some guys say that because I mean, what else are they supposed to say? That's what that's one of the things I love. It's like, I guess Kara LeVert said this like, oh yeah, I love it here. I'd love to sign uh sign an extension here. Like, what else is he expected to say? No, I hate it here. I can't wait to go to another team when my contract expires. So I don't know. I, but I genuinely believe that Kevin Love wants to stay as the cat or with the Cavs until he retires, which he knows how long that'll be. But it all just comes down to money. I mean, obviously, he's not going to get what he's getting now. What is he getting paid next year? 20 like million, 29, 29 yeah. million. 20 so it's going to be nowhere near that. But I mean, the guys, you can never have too much money. I know as fans we say oh yeah they, they're they millionaires it doesn't really matter how much money they make but we're all human you can never have too much money but I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks with the Cavs just yeah like I said it all comes down to money and then Karis LeVert I think that decision about whether he will be here after next season will mostly be made this offseason if the Cavs re-sign restricted free agent Colin Sexton Kara Silvert will not be back. I think that's pretty much guaranteed. They're basically the same player. Kara Silvert has a little bit more height, but given and what they can do as contributors to the team, you just they wouldn't dra- They wouldn't go together. I mean, that'd be I don't know. It'd be it wouldn't be a waste of two roster spots if both of them were on the team. But like, what they bring to offense, like the offense, which is obviously the point here, because it's Callen Sexton and Kara Silvert who are not known for their defense. They're too similar to have them both back. So, if Colin Sexton resigns, Karis LeVert, no matter what gone. If Karis, if Ka- they don't resign Colin Sexton, let him walk in restricted free agency and don't match the contract that he's offered by another team, I guess it all just comes down to how Karis Levert performs next season. Then again, if he performs well, then maybe they can use him as a trade piece as an expiring contract. So, I would say Karis Levert won't be back. Kevin Love will be back after next season, but that's way far down the road. That's that seems so far away. And <laughs> I'll stop really talking because I just I just went on a long tangent.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, 100% agree with you. Karis and Colin, you know, you'd have to assume you'd have to pay between the both, both guys somewhere around 40 million. And they bring, they both bring somewhat of the same. I, I won't say they're, they're different body types, but obviously, in terms of traits, they're both shot makers and, you know, dribble drive, some of that. Um, Collins, a a little bit better shooter, but yeah, essentially the same thing. I that's one of the things about love that I'm very interested in is the young guys love Kevin Love, like Darius Garland's, like, that's my big, that's my holiday. Pun intended. Yeah, they love love. Um, I think that's going to be fascinating because you're right. Like we saw surly Kevin love for a couple of years and he was not talking about how excited he was to play with this team and how much potential they have, but he was so happy this year. He, he said, this is like the happiest he's been in years. Um, wow. I, I, you know, what what is a, a Kevin love market even look like? I have no idea. He, he, he couldn't even get in the play in game. Against the Hawks, but in other matchups, he's so beneficial. And he can really I interrupt you? From the games, yeah. The Kevin Love
0: market consists of whoever, whichever team has LeBron James and the Cavs. I think <laughs> it's really that simple. That's yeah. literally what it would come down to. If he doesn't resign really with the Cavs, he's going wherever LeBron's playing.
1: Yep, I, th- I think you're right about that. And, and yeah, it's, you hope he he understands where he's at at this point in his career. The um, young guys love them. We'd love to keep the train rolling, but like you know, we we have to face facts a little bit. That JB JB said, Kev, we can't really play you in this game. You know, in a critical play-in game, we can't um, really play you. So it's it's tough. That's gonna be a tough conversation. We discussed that two weeks ago too. Kevin Love
0: definitely should have played more than ten or eleven minutes. However many he played, maybe it was like a match. and We already discussed the Hawks playing game, but maybe it was more of a matchup than than like a Kevin Love. He obviously trusts Kevin Love. I mean, he's the veteran on the team, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I hope Kevin Love retires a Cav and yeah, I hope he retires a Cav and then retire number zero.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's he's he's built too many good memories at this point. Like he, he went through the shit years with the Cavaliers and with Cleveland. It's like, now let's, it would be nice to see him reap some benefit. And this team is obviously on the way up. So it would be sweet to see him stick around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even this season, I know I wrote about it this morning, last year at this time, the only discussions surrounding Kevin Love were how can the Cavs buy him out? And when will the Cavs buy him out? There's nothing. There's literally no other discussion about, like, how can Kevin Love and the Cavs work something out so he stays? Nothing like that. And then here we are. He uh, he should have won sixth man of the year. I wrote about this morning. But he finished second sixth man of the year voting. And literally in the span of, like, nine months, he went from when will the Cavs not buy him out, not if, and to sixth man uh it's second place in six minutes of the year. I mean, you can't ask for much more from Kevin Love, honestly. I've Obviously, you'd want more than 10 minutes in a playoff or a playing game. But besides that, as a whole season, you can't ask for much more from Kevin Love.
1: Yeah, when you when you play like 47 minutes a night like Tyler Hero did and you win six man, I have a little bit of an issue with that, but it is what it is. So whatever. <laughs> Speaking of Kevin Love, and we just kind of ran through some decisions they're going to make. Um The Cavs have another very big potential decision to make this summer. I don't think it's a decision. I think they made the decision, but Darius Garland, the all-star Darius Garland is eligible for a max coming off his rookie deal contract extension max that they can offer to him in July. And that deal would look something like five years for 182.2 million is the number I saw quoted um, across the league, I think from Shams. So, Josh, I think you and I are probably on the same boat here. You just give it to him, right? July 1st, whenever that first day is, five years, 182.2, you just bring him in, have like a awesome PowerPoint to show how awesome he is, and then just hand him the letter, right? Give it to him as soon as oh, possible. Oh, man.
0: A PowerPoint in the Cleveland front office. I don't know if I trust that given the Brown situation. <laughs>
1: I don't know what you're referring to.
0: <laughs> no, it's, you're right. I mean, at... They should already have the uh, contract papers prepared and at 12 a.m. or whatever the deadline is, send it over to Darius Garland. And it seems like he's going to sign it. I mean, I I hate being this kind of fan, but when was the last time that a – I mean, Darius Garland's not a superstar yet, but an up-and-coming rising star, hopefully one of the best point guards in the league in the next year or two. Like, most of the time it was like, when – When, where is Darius Garland going to play once he hits free agency? And none of it included Cleveland, but yeah, the fact that like no one's even questioning that is pretty awesome. I have to admit, yeah, given the papers, he'll it seems like he'll sign him and he'll be here for the long haul. And that his leap I know we can spend hours just talking about Darius Garland and his season this past year, but his leap all season was incredible. And I don't know who deserves a lot a lot of the praise for that. Obviously Darius Garland does, but like Ricky Rubio, I know that he played a huge part in that. It's one of the reasons why the Cavs succeeded. Obviously Ricky Rubio helped a lot by playing or when he did play, but I think he also was a huge uh, reason for Darius Garland's leap as well. And that's part, I guess we're not going to talk about this yet. This is for further down the road podcast, but I would love for Ricky Rubio to be back with the Cavs next season. Just because he brings so much on and off the court, and yeah, Darius Garland's leap, he deserves that max extension because he's only improving too. So it'll be, it'll be ex- an exciting future once he puts pen to paper.
1: Yeah, he, you have to imagine he's going to be looking around at some of these absolute aliens he gets to play with with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley and his, his backcourt duo with sex. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this situation from a basketball perspective. And he doesn't strike me as a, as a guy who's like, I'm, I'm pushing myself to New York. It's like, no, he, he looks comfortable. He looks happy. And, and man, he's got, he's the, he's the leader of what looks to be a very fun basketball team for the next five plus years. So yeah, I can't wait to, to hear that. The Cavs lock him up this July. Yeah, just whenever the deadline is, the Cavs,
0: it should be announced by either Shams or Rose within like a minute. I'm assuming.
1: It, Darius, if you want to let us break that news, that would be fantastic. I know I don't know why we just push things to the big national guys, but you know, uh, Josh Paloja, Seth Wanamaker, if you just want to DM us, that'd be fantastic.
0: Do it, do it, do it. Although we could
1: act like we broke
0: the news. Just because we know it's going to happen. Let's be honest. That's true. Isn't, yeah. isn't that what wannabe reporters
1: do, anyways? Yeah, I'll have it typed up. I'll shoot it out. There's no. It's going to be a swinging home run anyway. So. <laughs> oh
0: yeah i I just can't wait for him to be put a pen to paper and just had that foundation piece. I mean, if he signs a five year deal, you have Jared Allen for four more years right did he did he start that five year okay so you have him for four more years Evan Mobley for four years I think is his rookie I think rookie contract or first round rookie contracts in NBA are five I I mean it's just the young core that the Cavs have it's not only exciting just because of how good they can they are and can be but the fact that they're just locked up with the
1: Cavs for the long term is awesome Mm mm-hmm I, I, won't, I don't want to bounce around, but something you said just came to my mind, I think is worthwhile to, to speak on really quickly is, you know, there's, I think back in like the mid to late 2000s, even early 2010s, expiring contracts were like all the rage and they were so valuable. If you had a nice expiring contract, cause there were a lot of teams that were trying to go for it and had some room. And like the last couple of years, it feels like expiring contracts have kind of they haven't been as valuable as they once were, um, and I think it's because you know a lot of the teams that have kind of been in hell, and so you know getting an expiring contract back still doesn't get them in that position where they can go get a guy. But I'm starting. I'm just reading tea leaves of NBA Twitter and and looking at different accounts and reading through. It seems like. You know, there's so few teams that have cap space right now, but they're on that borderline. They're close. It feels like there could be an opportunity for either a Lavert or Love or both next year um, where that we have some serious value, you know, with one or, or both of those contracts. So sorry, not to bounce around at all. I just, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the value of expiring, you know, how many teams are in the market for an expiring deal next year um, because 46 million is a lot of money. I mean, that's a ton of money. So we'll see how valuable that ends up to be.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Kobe Altman has done a lot of good things so far, so I trust in him. But it'll be interesting to see, because obviously the Cavs want Karis Levert to play well. But if he plays really well, then you'll say, well, he sh- should stick with the Cavs long term. But if he plays like crap, then he has no trade value. So I, it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, I guess the Cavs, you can say the Cavs are in a good spot with him, just because worst comes to worst he's an expiring deal that you trade away but then again like you said expiring deals now don't seem to mean as much as they did back when so i don't the carousel situation is definitely going to be one to monitor up until the 2023 trade deadline which is 10 months
1: from now and next february yep yeah. The, the whole dynamic. I mean, I know that's one thing that you and I could talk about for a half hour, but just the shooting guard position, whether you talk about a whether you talk about Sexton coming back and, and what he's going to look like, whether you talk about Levert. I mean, I, that's such a, like a rabbit hole. I, I, we probably don't need to get too far down it, but it's just, it's an incredibly like fluid open discussion about what does the two guard look like next year? And there's, there's like a three headed monster that, that you can attack and think through it. So yeah, I think, you know, I, I think the, the plan as of now is the Cavs are going to bring everyone back and best man win. Like it's, there's a lot of guys that can vie for that starting two position and it's going to be very interesting to see who gets the first crack at it.
0: Yeah. Speaking of running back, that takes us to our next topic. I don't know if you purposely did that or what, but yeah, I, I know it's to be talking about running it back or what can the Cavs do this off season besides the draft? So I, I'll let you go first on this one.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I think, you know, the one the one curveball in this is Kobe Altman's been very aggressive. That's the one thing that makes me pause. So this season was such a success in terms of, um, you know, if, if, if you watch this team, you saw the good stuff. You saw a team that was top five in net rating. You saw a team that had a defensive identity. So much exciting stuff. I will say some things may not translate from this past year to next year. You know, we don't know how Rubio is going to heal up. We don't know what he's going to look like. And so if I had to put odds on it, I'd say the Cavs are more likely to bring the pieces back and run it back with a healthy Colin Sexton. Um, But man, I, Josh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Kobe went out and and made some kind of move. It just wouldn't surprise me because he's done it. You know, he's done it numerous times now.
0: And you said a healthy Colin Sexton, but if they run it back. I mean, it seems like it's been, I know it's only been since like the, I guess since the beginning of this, sh- the beginning of the season, but it seems like forever since the cats had a fully healthy team. I mean, I know when we recapped uh, who, or when the cats played the Atlanta in the play-in, we recapped like the four regular season games between the two and Colin Sexton in the first game between the cats and the Hawks was the starting shooting guard. I, it literally feels like years since I saw Colin Sexton play. So it'll just—I mean, so much can change, whether it's Colin Sexton or whatever. But just—I'm already excited, even if nothing changes, to just watch this team at full strength. its at i like I said, it's been a few months, or maybe more than a few months, maybe like six or seven months now. But I—I I just don't remember watching this team at full strength. Whether it's like—I mean, I don't want to dream big, but imagine a backcourt with Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, and Ricky Rubio coming off the bench. And then probably Kara at least to start the season. So you back, your starting backcourt is two of those four, and your second unit is led by two of the other two. It's just, I'm, yes, I, I agree with you that Kobe is going to be aggressive, especially because this young core seems to be special. So he wants to speed up the development of them too. But literally, I wouldn't be surprised if he does moves that anything's possible. I mean, besides Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen, I could see anything happening this offseason in terms of trades or whatever. This is Alex Hastie, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast. On Ohio vs. the World, we'll travel back in time with the authors, historians, and even witnesses to visit the most exciting, consequential, and too often overlooked topics that have shaped America's history. There seems to be an Ohio connection to so many important moments. When you said uh, Ohio versus the world, we did some damage. So join us and we'll take a deep dive to enlighten, educate, and entertain you. Ohio versus the world makes history fun again.
1: Yeah, the the one piece that I I need to think through a little bit more, I'd I'd love to get your two cents is, do you think it's more likely than not that they try to make a deal with Colin this summer or do you think they kind of sit, wait on their hands, see what kind of offer sheets Colin might get in and then look to match at that point. I, I don't know, maybe they, maybe they think it's very valuable to see how Levert plays this year. um, And it's better for them to sit and wait and match salary. But that's one thing I've been thinking a lot about is like calling in the Cavaliers, have said all the right things in terms of wanting to pair together so does that mean some type of friendly deal this off season or is there more value in just waiting seeing how things progress and and see what the market is for Colin
0: I think that from both sides it's better for both to see how the market kind of forms around Colin I don't I honestly don't know it'll be interesting to see how much money he gets to be honest, whether it's with the Cavs or another team cuz he's coming off of a season that he just played like 10 or less games. He proved that he could be a good player on a bad team, but he didn't get the opportunity this season to prove that he could be a good player on a good team. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that he's an empty stats guy because I really, I love Count Sexton. I love love the person. I hope as a player he continues to improve, especially defensively, but his work ethic is, we all know his work ethic is incredible. It's, I don't know. I just feel like, the Cavs, the Cavs don't want to low ball Colin Sexton. Actually, they probably, um, obviously, they actually wanted, they do want to low ball Colin Sexton. I'm sure that's wrong of me to say that. Um, but I, he's represented by Clutch, right? I think we talked about this. New,
1: newly relationship with Clutch, yep.
0: So Rich Paul, I'm assuming they'll want to see, or will want the uh, market, the free agent market to dictate, like, just see what's out there. See, I, Colin Sexton's not going to get the max. I'd, if he gets a maximum on the team, he won't be a Cav anymore because there's no way the Cavs are giving him, giving him the max. I just don't see that whatsoever. But, yeah, I guess just let the market dictate Colin Sexton's value in terms of the contract. I don't know if he'll go with lower years for more money, just to like get some prove-it years or if he'll do longer years for a little bit less money in terms of uh, dollars per year. Uh, like I said, I don't know. I have a feeling it's going to be somewhere around five five years, $100 million. but that's it. I still don't know if the Cavs – some people say that the Cavs could afford that and they should do that, but that's a lot of money for a six-man.
1: It is, and man – yeah, I can't overstate like how much we love the player. I think we both do. We, we've talked about it all year. Like guy just works his butt off. Kobe Altman talked about it on his, you know, postseason presser. The first guy that he saw in the gym the following day is Colin Sexton working out. I mean, he's just, he's an absolute animal and it's such a shame that we didn't get to see him. Like talk about a guy who got to reap the benefits, Kevin Love. I mean, another guy who came in at the ground floor. Colin Sexton was was the number eight pick after LeBron James left. I mean, that that guy deserved this season. So yeah, I I got now that you brought that up, I kind of like the notion of maybe there's like a two year, $60 million, two year, $50 million deal for Colin. He balls out and then sets himself up for, you know, the next big payday. Cause he's a healthy guy. I mean, that's he hasn't been hurt his entire career. He's built uh like an absolute rock. And so I don't think uh I think this year the knee to knee that he had with Allen was truly a, you know, a chance thing. Versus this guy has like soft tissue stuff he's always dealing with. So, yeah, I, man, I, very very excited to see him in a Cavalier jersey next season, and we can get that sex. Well,
0: hopefully, ho- hopefully yeah. Yeah. see him in a Cavs jersey.
1: Yeah. Then true. again,
0: I mean, if I'm sure that as as pertaining to the salary cap, the Cavs obviously want to get as many of their good players for as little or as few dollars as possible. Cause obviously with Sal- it's not like baseball where you can just be like, Oh yeah, here's 500 million Aaron judge. And you still have unlimited cash for the Yankees. But yeah, I, I want Colin Sexton to be back. But then again, if he's offered too much money, I think you can get a solid piece for him. I think in restricted free agency, you can still do sign and trades. So I, I think the final end goal here is that the Cavs either re resigned Colin Sexton or get someone worthwhile in a sign and trade too. So either way, I think whether it's getting Tom Sexton back or whoever they get for him in a sign and trade, the Cavs are going to improve from that aspect.
1: Yep, yep, he's an asset. And you talked about it off the top already. Like, we're we're not going to go crazy in the draft, but – You know, there's the Cavaliers are likely going to either add someone as a draft pick. Well, they're going to add someone regardless. They have to make the pick. The question will be, are they going to keep the kid or are they going to, you know, do some type of deal after the fact? So, yeah, there's going to be an infusion of talent here. One, not only Colin Sexton being hopefully healthy and coming back, but also um, potentially drafting a a person this summer and or you know trading that pick for a veteran. So, there's going to be an infusion of talent, which. We all have eyeballs. We all saw that they needed the last month of the season.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can never have too much depth for one. I, and obviously go-to story. And I know we talked about this two weeks ago. Looking ahead at this offseason, the Cavs need a backup. I don't know if they need a backup center because I, I think I'm seriously fine with Moses Brown. They need a backup point guard, whether that's Ricky Rubio or someone else. And they need, I mean, obviously every NBA team, you can never have too many shooters and you can never have too many shot creators, and the Cavs need both of those. I mean, the Cavs are nowhere near having too many of both of those, so they need both of those, whether it's free agency or the draft or a trade or whatever. So we can talk about that later in the offseason, but uh they need more shot creators, especially three-point shot makers and shot creators, so they're not always leaning on Darius Garland to create. Karis Levert to get a pick and roll or something like that. They just need guys that can create for themselves and create for others.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's very well said. I think those are some of the key traits that, and the one thing about Rubio is, you know, is he going to be ready? I think Chris Fedor has put out some reports about how, you know, Rubio may not be ready to come back until like a November, December time frame. And man, the the Cavs, you know, probably need someone day one to to really handle and take over that second unit. Um, pending on, you know, who knows, maybe Sexton takes that role and is like an early sub and, but yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see if, if Rubio can come back. Sounds like he had a hell of a time this, this year, really fun time with this group. So, uh, that would, that would be a heck of a addition come like January, February, you know, if he was, if he was kind of a late addition to the team.
0: Yeah. And in, in terms of the NBA draft, we're not going to get, like Seth said, we're not going to get too far into that yet. It's, I think it's kind of pointless to do so before the NBA draft lottery because we don't know where the cats are going to pick. Even though there's like a 97.4% chance that they're at number 14, and if they don't get that 97.4% chance, and they somehow get the 2.6% chance that they're in the top four, it's either they're number 14, which is the last pick of the lottery, or they're in the top four. So a lot can change, obviously, between 14 and the top four pick. but. I know we will discuss this later. The next show, the next live podcast we do will be uh NBA draft lottery night. I think it's May 17th. Would that when that make sense? I think yeah, I think it's May 17th, which is two 13 days from now, which is I think the first round or the game one of the one of the conference finals games. They do it like a 30-minute show prior to that. But that that'll be our next show, and then we'll definitely start during that show. And then the following couple will definitely start breaking down the NBA draft and the prospects and all that goes into that.
1: Yeah. I'm excited later, later on this month, just to watch some tape, like get familiar with some of these guys and really dive in. Like there's, there's only so many guys that are going to be ranked, you know, zero to 20, zero to 25. So to be able to kind of dive in and get to watch some of these guys, watch some of their conference tournaments and uh, March madness, it'll be pretty fun. Uh, and, And speaking of lottery luck, like, I mean, Ky- I think Kyrie was our 0.7% odds from Baron Davis that jumped up. So who knows? We we might be swimming in a top three pick here in no time.
0: <laughs> NBA Twitter will not be happy if the Cavs somehow get a top four pick again. No, we, we've
1: we been blessed. <laughs> we have absolutely been blessed as Cavalier fans.
0: I mean, I, I'm certainly like, like not, I absolutely love it because either you get pick, which I feel like you would if you have a top four pick, or that is a humongous great asset. So it's good if the Cavs somehow jump into the top four with that two. I think it's two point six percent chance. Man, I mean, MB Twitter might go on third, but I will be celebrating. Same with you, and
1: same with all casters. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I know we've got some. We've got some like end of season, off season questions. Is there anything else? You know, end of season wise, anything else you you wanted to hit on before we kind of jumped over to some questions we thought would be good? Yeah,
0: and I actually, I, I've went off topic here end of season speaking of end of season end of season awards i something needs to change so executive of the year i don't think that's been uh distressed yet or not distressed but voted on, it has been voted on it, and i don't think the results come in yet kobe altman is not going to get mba nba executive of the year just because the way the Cavs season ended he should get NBA executive of the year. They doubled. They almost doubled the Vegas projected win total. But speaking of that, um, who's I going to say? Oh, uh, most of them. No, was it coach of the year where J.B. Bickerstaff wasn't even given a vote? Am I, well, am I way I off on this? I didn't
1: see that actually yet. I didn't see coach of the year yet either. Uh, executive or coach. I didn't see. Any no, result. no,
0: I'm thinking. No, my bad. Evan Mobley, rookie of the year so right. there are
1: 100 there are 100
0: voters worldwide for rookie of the year evan mobley received 99 votes which means someone somewhere did not think evan mobley deserved at a, the first second or third place vote in rookie of the year i don't know who it is i hope it comes out sometime but that voter should never be allowed to vote for a season award again luckily it didn't it was a close race between Evan Mobley and uh Toronto Raptors Scotty Barnes, who ended up winning the award. Luckily, it wasn't so close that that vote cost Evan Mobley the rookie of the year, but yeah, th- that's just inexcusable. That's one reason why I'm mad at it, uh end of season awards. Secondly, something needs to change with sixth man of the year. I broke it down this morning, I wrote about it. Poly Hero, yes, he is considered a sixth man, but he plays starters minutes just because he comes off the bench doesn't mean that he should it's it's hard to say because like yes he is a six man but there should also be like a minutes restriction too like i broke it down if uh tyler hero is like he he averaged like 32.6 minutes per game
1: exactly that would
0: that would have been the third highest on the Cavs roster this year so the sixth man of the year would have played the third highest minutes per game on the Cavs this year how is that even and he was 64th in the nba so you're telling me out of what's whatever five times 30 is. I one one fifty. So there are 150 starters in the, in the NBA. Tyler hero was 64th in minutes, but he's a bench guy. So he gets very, so he gets six minutes year. Yes. Obviously he averaged the most points and whatever else, but I broke it down on way for next this morning. If you do per 100 possessions and per 36 minutes, Kevin Love has it one easily. So I, I get it. I'm not dogging on Tyler Hero. He deserved the award, but I just think that there's something that the NBA has to change so that a guy literally playing 32.6 minutes a night, which is the 64th most in the NBA, isn't winning the NBA 6-man-of-the-year award.
1: Yeah, we're having like definitional problems because even to a degree, the most improved player...
0: uh, Oh, that's
1: another one. I I forgot to... (laughs) Even NBA, I mean, LeBron James is tweeting about it. Like, how can Ja be the most improved player when he's an absolute? He was an absolute star last year. Uh, it's just, it's just like definition. I, I'm having a hard time understanding what all these awards mean, man. I don't know. I
0: I forgot most improved player because I was stuck on. I brought in Coach of the Year, even though it hasn't even been voted on yet. Um, yeah, most improved player. So how does it? One guy. How does the guy win Rookie of the Year two years ago? And then when most improved player two years later this year, I mean, LeBron agrees he should, the jad literally went from a star to a superstar. So yes, he improved, but that's not, that's not who the award was for. The award should have gone to Darius Garland. who made a huge leap. I, I don't even care if Darius Garland doesn't, didn't win it. I really don't. I just think that John Morant should not have won it. If anyone, Jordan pool, golden, golden state warriors guard. Yep, yep. He should have won most improved player. He went from like a afterthought to being, I mean, right now in the playoffs, I know the playout the awards have already been voted on, but he's proven right now. He is probably the third best player or a top three player on the Warriors right now. And he's a six man coming off the bench. Yeah. It's just, I feel like the awards voters, luckily, I don't think it um, affects rookie contract extensions. Maybe it does. I know further down the road, all NBA and stuff affects like uh, how much money an NBA player can make, but I don't think these types of awards do. But yeah, John Morant, yes, he's a superstar. He is awesome to watch. He's one of the, one of, if not the best point guard in the league. Actually, no, my bet. Steph Curry and First Fall are probably the top two point guards in the league right now. John Morant's a top five point guard, but he did not deserve most improvement from the start superstar. Jordan Poole or I know DeJounte Murray finished up there just there's so many players that deserve that award that John should not have gotten it, especially when a rookie there two years ago.
1: Yeah. Even his own teammate. And I saw on, uh, I saw, I think it was on Twitter that he actually delivered it to his teammate, Desmond Bain. Cause I mean, Desmond went from nine points per game his rookie year to this year he had 18. So he improved by nine points skyrocketed, you know, in critical numbers, rebounds, assists. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I understand like Jaw had huge numbers this year and he had a big leap, but if you pulled, you know, a hundred GMs, they would have told you like Jaw's is one of the top players they'd want to build a team around. So it's just, yeah. Like what, what's the actual nature of, of the, you know of the award is it seeing guys improve like bust their asses and improve like when i think of someone like that i think of like chris middleton second round pick um he's just killer yeah there you go an absolute mid-range killer um but i think we've got some serious gripes man between rookie of the year the closest rookie of the year ever between um between evan mobley and scotty we've got kevin love who lost to a guy who plays almost 33 minutes a night and darius garland lost most improved to a guy who You know, it's like a top 10 player you want to build around. It's just these definitions are brutal.
0: Yeah, I'm not digging on the players. Don't take that. I love John Morant. I love watching John Morant. Yep, yep. Uh, Scotty Barnes is a great player, too. I for In terms of rookie of the year, I think it went to recency bias. The Cavs struggled down down the stretch. Evan Mobley struggled just because he was put in an unfamiliar position where he was without Jared Allen. That's okay that that went to Scotty Barnes. I'm mad at the fact that a... Uh, for rookie of the year, one of 100 voters didn't even vote for Evan Mobley for a top three finish. Uh, most improved player. I'm not mad at John Morant. He's a great player. Just something needs to change because he's not most improved. I mean, if you went by percentages in terms of points, it had to be Jordan Poole or Desmond Bain or DeJounte in terms of points and assists and all that. And then what was the – oh, six-man. I don't, I don't know how you can really fix that. I don't think you can put a minute restriction on it, but uh, – Maybe it's like less than thirty minutes a night. I mean, Kevin Love literally played twenty-two minutes per game compared to Ten Tyler min- Hero's thirty-two point yeah. six minutes per game. Obviously, Tyler Hero is going to be yeah. When you, it's almost a one hundred fifty percent increase in minutes. Obviously, yeah. Tyler Hero is going to have the best dance. It's an so, it's basically an
1: entire quarter. He played an entire quarter yeah, more per exactly. game. <laughs> yeah insane. per per game per game. So
0: yeah. I I like I said I'm not mad at mad at the players. I'm just mad at the voting process. I guess.
1: Yeah. And, and and we don't need to, to stick around here too long, but just thinking about the rookie of the year and the guys on, I mean, the, this draft class, man, like in two or three years, we're going to be looking back and be like, Holy shit. Like Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham, who's the number one pick Jalen green started balling out the last second half of the year, scoring in bunches, Franz Wagner, like the Cavs played him a couple times at the end of the year. He's super efficient. He's going to be a player for a long time. Um, Herbert Jones, who just gave the suns hell. I mean, he's, he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the entire league. Um, it's just, man, there's so much talent from this draft class. Like it's, it's going to be cool in a couple of years when we see Evan Mobley's the best of of this crew, but they're just, there's like five or six absolute studs that came out of this draft class. It's going to be pretty cool.
0: Just sucks that one of them's in Orlando, one of them's in Houston. (laughs)
1: That's right. (laughs) Orlando.
0: Yeah. they're. I mean, I don't want to hate because the Cavs have been in the cellar of the NBA without LeBron for the past two decades, it seems like. But it just seems like Orlando, I guess Orlando has when they had Rashard Lewis and when they took down the Cavs, Jimmy Nelson, those guys. But it just seems like Orlando and Houston have been in the cellar of the NBA for a while. I don't know. But you're right. This NBA draft class, the 2021 NBA draft class is really freaking good.
1: They're all, they're a problem, man. They're going to be a big problem. <laughs> all right. Yes. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. That, that's um, I know you have some questions, right? Yeah.
1: Yep. Perfect transition time. So th- these are a couple of questions that, that Josh and I, you know, kind of rattled around in terms of, Hey, these are good, like end of the season, you know, off season going into the next year questions um, that I think will be interesting little thought starters for us. And the first one this is my favorite one of, of the couple that we got here. So, Josh, if you could pick two traits to add to any player, so it could be two traits to the same player, or it could be one trait to one player, one trait to another, um, but two traits to a player who played this season. Let's say that. If, if the player actually played this season, so maybe let's exclude Colin. Um, if you could add two traits to any players, which would they be going into next year? Man. Isaac O'Croo
0: has to be one. A shot. Give me a freaking three-point <laughs> shot for Isaac, please. Um, It would be easy to say, like, someone else with a shot just because in today's NBA, you can never have too many three-point shooters. I don't want to say that, though. Um, I feel like I'm, like, trying to create a player, and you only have, like, 100 attribute points to use. You know what I mean? 2K, and NBA 2K. Way yeah. back in the day when right. I used to create players when I was younger, you couldn't just make them all 99. You only had like 100 to use, and you started off at 50 overall, 50 shooting, so you had to try trying to think of – so Isaac Okoro's three-point shot is absolutely number one. I'm sure that's to be a lot, number one on a lot of people's boards. And, and attributes, it doesn't mean
1: height, correct? Right. Yeah, we'll do like uh, some type of skill, perhaps. Like I can't make Colin Sexton taller. <laughs> oh my! Can you imagine a six six Colin Sexton? Oh my gosh!
0: <laughs> Man, I don't know. Um, Evan Mobley free throw shooting. Boom. Yep. There you go. Yep. Somehow he loses. He lost his free throw touch. I, it's. I. I hope because I mean. It seems some like something little. Wow, that's uh, people are would probably say, "Wow, that's a boring answer." But if, as much as he could get to the line, and I think he will get to the line once he puts on some muscle mass. Him going from like I I don't even know what he was this year. Wasn't he like sixty five percent? If he, he ended, up ended 66%. like sixty
1: six percent.
0: sixty six. So yep. just go to high seventies so or even eighty percent. That's like one or two points a game at least. So Isaac Okoro, I. Ed, i'm sure there's a lot of other good answers but i wanted to go with something off the radar uh, evan mobley free throw shooting, so as a three-point shooting the obvious one and then off the radar evan mobley free throw shooting
1: yeah you went kind of like obvious and then nuance which i appreciate i like that um i had i had roughly the same and in, in a little bit of a different way so i i had okoro's playmaking um, his, his usage went down so as a rookie, it was 14%, it went all the way down to 12% this year. And people finally he, started watching film on him. <laughs> yeah, we'll let him sit out, chill out by a three point line in the corner. And man, he was hitting it for a little bit this year, but it's just, I'm probably. This answer is a little biased because we saw what happened with Darius and just how he got ran into the ground the last half of the year with everything being on his shoulders. But man, if Isaac can get a little bit of a handle, he, we know he, when he gets downhill in transition he can finish. If he can just do a little bit of that off the dribble, it, it would be awesome. So I'm, I'm going to give Okoro the trade of of just like I guess I'll call it playmaking. You know, there's a lot of things that go into that
0: shot creator. Are you going? All right. I like that. playmaking. It could also, that could be like a wide circle and it could yeah. also include three point shooting.
1: Yeah. That's a good point. We'll, we'll throw as many things in here as we can get. So, all right. <laughs> so so count
0: Cal, I, as a Kakuro playmaker, it literally includes everything offensively.
1: That's right. Yep. No big deal. That's kind of a cheat code, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> and then I, I went cheat code again. I just said Evan Mobley shooting. Um, so I'll, I'll you know, that, that that's probably a little too broad, but I'll go three-point
0: shooting, half-court th- shooting, free-throw yeah. shooting.
1: Like <laughs> yeah. It. Yep. Finishing. But no, I'll, I'll go, um, I'll go three-point shooting. So he, you know, his, his three-point shooting really creative. He didn't put a lot of volume up. He put up 1.3, um, threes per game. So it's not a lot of volume, but he, he was all the way down to 25% by the end of the year. So, you know, Evan's shooting definitely started off pretty well. And then really all facets of it from like the jumper to the free throw, to the three all went down throughout the season. So it's, it's a long season for him man. He, he's, going to get used to it but like you said if if he hits you know if he takes four more free throws a a game next year maybe three more free throws a game uh, makes two of them you know makes a a better clip at three he's going to be a 20 point per game scorer in no time so those are the two traits i'd add in evan developing that three-point game space the floor a little bit and then you know isaac coro taking some pressure off
0: hey i just hope speaking of evan will three-point shooting i hope he goes to the school of wherever brooke lopez learned a three-point shot Send Evan Mobley to that freaking uh, shooting coach, please. For those unfamiliar, Brooke Lopez with Brooklyn and New Jersey and Brooklyn for the longest time. Up from 2008 to 2016, he took his highest, he took zero three-pointers, exactly zero for five years. And then went to 0.1 per game, 0.1 per game, 0.2 per game. And then something changed in 2016, 2017. Went to 5.2, and ever since then, it, it's been above 4. And he's hitting them at like a mid-30s clip. I mean, if Evan Moby is shooting four to five threes a game and hitting hit him 35%, I mean, that's another thing. I mean, free throw shooting, we obviously know how much that could have not only affect his points per game, but also help the Cavs. Imagine if he's shooting four or five threes a game and making them at a 35% clip.
1: Yeah, it'd be huge, and we're seeing it right now with bigs that can shoot the three. I mean, Al Horford just killed the uh, Milwaukee Bucks last night, just being an absolute sniper from outside. And it just changes the game when you got a big guy that can block shots, rebound, but then shoot. I mean, it's just it, it's a it's a matchup nightmare uh, for certain teams. So he yeah, him developing that shot, and I already saw clips of him working out back in uh, California. So I no doubt in my mind he's like the Colin Sexton type, where he's going to come back with some tools. That we're just going to be like, whoa! <laughs> Didn't know yeah, he had
0: that. I agree. I know right when the Cavs drafted him, he, I think he, they flew out some shorter, not some, not a shooting coach, but like a, uh, like a dietary guy because he wanted to like get right immediately. So it seems like he does have that work ethic, like you said. But hopefully, he. Uh, that's another. i I'm just thinking out loud here. I know when you lift a lot and gain muscle, it affect it uh, it affects your shot. I hope he has a good shooting coach where he can not only lift and gain muscle mass, but also get a better shot. But then again, those might work in opposite directions. So I don't, it'll be interesting. His first offseason, now that he knows the type of NBA game that he has and can have and should have, and just I mean, I can't wait for to see Evan Mobley game one in late October. And I think that's when the NBA season starts just to see the improvement, both as like how much uh, weight and muscle he gained. And then just whether it's any part of his game, I'm sure it's going to improve tremendously now that he knows what it takes.
1: Yeah. With, with a guy that talented, it's, that's almost as good as like any kind of infusion of talent you're going to get is just like his advancement from year one to year two, and then two to three, we're, we're going to see some, you know, Knock on wood, all health being considered. We're going to see see some serious leaps over the next couple of years. Um, okay. That, that was perfect. I think that was good insight in terms of some traits. The the second question, we don't need to hit on all these, um, because we're running pretty long, <laughs> running pretty long already. Typical uh Cavs cast podcast. But um, we, we hit on this a little bit above. Um, do you foresee a significant roster shakeup or primarily run it back? pick up your draft pick, wherever that is, and, you know, roll the ball out and let's go.
0: Primarily run it back, but have better depth pieces. I guess that would still be called running it back?
1: Yeah. Yep. I think so.
0: So your main contributors stay the same. Uh, You add an NBA draft, you add a draft pick, actually multiple draft picks. I think they have three this year. They have theirs, which is lottery. Two seconds. Yeah, but the second, the one of the seconds is from a team that they should, it should be pretty early in the second round, right? Without even looking. I think they have like the third or fourth pick in the second round. Mm -hmm.
1: I I know they have two. I'll I'll try to look that up just while we're talking. But
0: that could be a significant depth piece, too. I mean, I'm at 58th or whatever. uh, the, The third pick they have most likely won't turn into anything. I mean, the odds of that are very slim, but they could get two guys in the draft, especially that first round pick that. Hopefully is a key not a key contributor, but like a a good role player. And then, so I just hope that they retool, I guess, on like the second and third strain of their roster. Moses Brown, I'm fine with him being a backup center. If they improve on that, cool. They need a backup point guard, whether that's Ricky Rubio or someone else, or Ricky Rubio and someone else. Given Ricky Rubio's injury, and who knows when he'll be back. And like we said earlier, give get more shot creators and shot makers, especially from three. You can never have too many of those. And just run it back with a healthy team, which is, it seems like it's been since October. It has not been healthy. so And run it back and just retool the uh, bench, guys.
1: Yeah, that, that's where I'm at, too. We, we saw a lot of minutes from guys that, I hope we don't really see them play next year. And I say that very respectfully. Like we we saw the Cavs have to go so deep um, this year with all the injuries they faced. I mean, it's great to know that those guys can play. Um, but it would be nice for like one of them to have to play around four guys who are consistently playing versus like three of them getting thrown out there because the Cavs are just absolutely bludgeoned with injuries. So yeah, I think improvement of the depth pieces and not having to go as deep, I guess, if that makes sense. So, you know, what, what veteran is out there that can help, you know, help that second unit out quite a bit. And and I did was able to take a look very quickly. So Cavs obviously own their, their own first round pick because they failed to make the playoffs. Uh, this year they have San Antonio's second round pick, so that's going to be a, a pretty high one. Um, and they also have Miami, so that that'll, of course will be low. But um, that San Antonio pick should be somewhat high in the second round.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's that. So it's probably most likely pick fourteen, and then a the high second round pick that could be two key role players.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and then, like you said, I mean. Lamar Stevens showed flashes. He was thrown into the fire in a and, and, uh, fully healthy season. He probably doesn't see the floor much. He turned in like a key contributor, especially a guy that can go out there and play def- like play lights out, not lights out on defense, but make things very physical and very tough for the opposing offense. There's just like a bunch of guys where the Cavs, uh, it'll just be interesting because you have guys like Lamar Stevens, Dean Wade. Jetty Osby Jetty those guys they can either be like package them together for one player or there are your dies nine through 11 on the bench which is i mean that is very good players for guys nine through 11 on the bench so it'll just be an interesting to see what kobe and company do this all season
1: Um, this is these next two and I'll, I'll kind of package them. I'm going to take one, one out. Um, I don't, I don't think we really want to talk too much draft. So, um, right,
0: before we go on though, the Cavs had the ninth, the San Antonio pick is the ninth pick in the second round. It's ninth overall, but continue.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's you're you're finding guys these days, man, like specialists, you know, that deep. I mean, it's of course, second round, it, it's a complete dart, but not going to be shocked if they find a, a guy who can bring some shooting. I mean that's that's the one thing Josh I'm thinking about is like man they Dylan Windler wasn't able to to really take off this year. Osmond was benched later on in the year like just some pure shooting would, would be so nice for this team I and mean, they they need it.
0: Yeah, and that will make things so much easier for the current players on the roster too. Like imagine Darius Garland going to the hole after Jared Allen pick and roll and you have three shooters on the outside, whether it's Lowry and two others or whoever it is. I mean, Darius Garland with multiple shooters on the outside and Jared Allen down low and even Evan Mobley. I mean, give it to me, please.
1: And as we watch like the Phoenix Suns or the Boston Celtics, if you're watching the playoffs, I mean, the teams are getting up like 43s a game and the Cavs just couldn't, Cavs just couldn't do that, you know, with, with the team they had at the end of the season. Um, And I, and I'd argue, I don't, know or think they can do it even when Colin Sexton comes back He he's not he's not a volume three type you know get seven threes up a game type of guy so yeah just just pure shooting um, man their their they're roster is begging for it specifically with their two big guys they've got right like Allen and Mobley are not going to be 40% three point guys so the two and three spots got to be able to knock it down. Evan Mobley could you never know <laughs> I'm challenged that was a challenge Evan take that as motivation buddy <laughs> No, very, very true. Very true. It wouldn't shock me at all. Um, all right. So th- this next one is just kind of fun looking back. Like we maybe this is like a tip of the cap respect um, question to how much fun this Cavs team was this year. So they had a lot of them. And I'll go first, Josh, if you need a second to think about this, because there's probably going to be a lot running through your mind. But my question, I'll, I'll go ahead and start it off, was looking back, what was your favorite game from the 2020-2022 season? There's a lot that come to mind, and I'll I'll go ahead and throw mine out. Mine is January 26th. Cavs are still at the height of their powers, battling in the East, and they took down a then completely healthy Milwaukee Bucks team, 115-99. to Uh, Drew, Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis all played. After the game, Giannis said something like, uh, we need to start watching some tape for the Cavs. This is a different Cavs team. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they are, Giannis. Uh, that
0: was a wake-up call for all the NBA, by the way,
1: by far. No, <laughs> no chance it that. wasn't. Yep. Everyone was watching that like, uh-oh, these guys are real. Uh, that was a game where Evan Mobley dunked over uh, Giannis, and it was a like, critical – it was one of those where, like, in the regular season – you so rarely see maximum effort. Like we see, we're spoiled with it right now in the playoffs, but that was one of those where the bucks were down like 12 with four minutes to go. And one of those rare instances where Giannis was going a hundred miles an hour to stop a play and Mobley finished over him. I think it was a lob from Garland to Mobley, Uh, Mobley finished and got the and one. And oh, it was so sweet. And that, you know, end of January was when we were thinking, okay, Cavs are a top three seed in the East and we're rolling. Um, and of course, you know, some bad things happen, but I remember being so excited. The crowd was nuts. And man, that that game was a heck of a lot of fun. So that was my personal pick for best game of the season, taking that down the defending champs at home. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Looking back at the schedule,
0: that was one of three games in a row where they held their opponents to less than. To less than one hundred points to double digits, which is unheard of in today's NBA. Man, that that was peak Cavs. I mean, I know they were without Colin Sexton. I'm assuming they still had Evan Mobley and Darius. Did I just mute myself?
1: Yeah, you were rolling for there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I don't know how it, the thing just came up. You are muted. Um, yeah, that was peak calves. That's part of the reason why we. I know I am. I know you are. I know Cavs fans should be if they're not already. That's why next season is I mean, expectations, it won't be as fun as this season just because there were no expectations this season. There will be next season. But that's, there's just so much hope and so much, like... It's, there's so much hope, but still so much uncertainty just because of, one, it's been so long since we saw a fully healthy Cavs team, and two, I mean, we still don't know how this team is going to drive to get, like, whether... a a full off season of practice like for Karis LeVert and those guys under the belt, just that's why I'm so excited for next season. But speaking of this, I honestly don't know. This is recency bias, but it has to be one of those comebacks. I think it was the nuggets where they came back and won an overtime when they were down big late in the season.
1: That was my second pick, man. What a game.
0: Yeah, I'll take I'll take that Denver game. Actually, I'm on the schedule right now. Uh, March 18th, they won 119-116 in overtime. I'm pretty sure they were down 20 in the fourth quarter. It was a playoff atmosphere. I wish I was at that game. I wasn't, but yeah, give me that. Even though the Cavs later in the season they dug themselves in way too big of a hole. We learned that against Brooklyn in the first playing game, but and that hole wasn't too big because the Cavs dug themselves out of it and came back and won in overtime.
1: Yeah, man, and they were down some bodies in that game. That game was electric. I mean, Jokic was getting frustrated, and man, the Cavs kind of had the Nuggets' number this year because Jared in their first matchup, Jared Allen kind of took advantage of Jokic and had the had the better of him. And then that game, I mean, the Cavs were down bodies, and uh, man, that was that was uh, that was a hell of a game too. That was my number two pick. Damn, and by the Nuggets. Speaking of the Nuggets. I know this
0: is way off topic, but the fact that they were as good as they were th- this year shows you how good Nicole Jokic is. They were without Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. Pro- arguably, two of their top four players. No, that's not even arguably. They're without yeah. two of their top four players all season, and they still, I don't know. Denver's going to be a force to be reckoned with if they, uh, if they run it back. That's for sure. And somehow, some way, we have gone an hour again on this podcast. Damn it.
1: Got it. We thought we were going to change our ways in the off season, but nope, not a chance, not a chance. <laughs> it's getting worse.
0: <laughs> it really
1: is. And
0: did we cover everything that we want to talk about?
1: Um, maybe one. Oh maybe no, there's hit, still two more. There's still two one.
0: more things. Yeah,
1: yeah. We'll, all right, we'll go. We'll go speed round, and maybe we'll just hit number five, if that's okay, because number four I think is a good. Maybe we'll come back to that. That'll be our post lottery. Uh, question in, in regards to the draft. Um, but number five, um, we're having some fun right now. Like playoffs are awesome. Josh, who are your picks to make the finals? Who, who's going to come out of the East and come out of the West this year?
0: Man, I think worst case scenario in terms of being a Cleveland fan is Golden State versus Boston. You, oh man. But it's, look, I mean, that has to be probably the two favorites in each conference right now. I know Milwaukee just upset Boston in game one because Giannis is an absolute freaking freak show. They call him the Greek freak for a reason. But them being without Chris Middleton, I mean, Boston dropped all the shooting. wide open not three is left and right in game one. They were making those in game two, which is why they blew out Milwaukee. But, oh, man. Who do I want or who do I think will?
1: Yeah, let's go who do you think. Who do you think will? Golden State, Boston. Damn it. So Golden State, Boston are both um, odds-wise second to come out. So Boston's second to come out of the East and Golden State's second to come out of the West. The and Miami it, Heat are first to come see, out of I, the I, East. The heat are so – I mean, me. we
0: even – yeah, we even discussed that during the season. Like, who would, we, who would we want to play in the playoffs? And among the top four seeds in the East, we both said Miami. Mine is just such a weird team. Like they don't have that absolute superstar. I guess Jimmy Butler is kind of their superstar, I guess, per se, but he's not like a top. T- he's not a top 10 player in the NBA. So like they're just better as a team. I mean, I guess when you put Bam, they have Bam, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, when he's healthy. I was going to say Duncan Robinson, but he just had a, did not play coach's he, decision. last he, game, Yeah. He's been, crazy. he's been getting
1: some e- zeros. Yeah. After they pay, yeah. paid him some money too. So yeah.
0: for yeah. a pure shooter. That literally all he does is shoot threes. Miami's just so tricky because they don't have that top ten NBA player, so I feel like people write them off. But as a team, I mean, Bam Adebayo is great, Kyle Lowry's great, not great, but defensively, that they, they're forced to be reckoned with. Then I forgot PJ Tucker. Their defense is very good, so I guess the defense wins championships. That's that's why they are favored. But yeah, Boston, man, Jason, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Derek White. Grant Williams somehow being a six six guy that's t- like stopping Giannis Antetokounmpo who's seven foot. I just Boston. It's hard to come up with a true weakness for Boston, especially when they're. I mean Marcus Smart, he was out last game and he still won. But defensively, offensively, go to guys. I mean Jalen Brown can put up forty when he wants to. Jason Tatum can put up forty when he wants to. Marcus Smart and. uh Jalen Brown are gonna make things very tough defensively. Then you have like Al Horford and Grant Williams come off the bench. I just I hate to say it, but Boston is really freaking good.
1: Yeah, and, and when uh when Williams came back, you know, he he had um, he had an injury and they were speculating he may not come back for really deep into the playoffs. And now he's back and he looks great. I and mean, he's blocking shots all over the place. So I, I agree with you. My my pick is Boston coming out of the East. Um, I may or may not have some interest in them coming out of the East for other reasons, but Boston to come out of the East and I had the Phoenix Suns come out of the West and I think a a Phoenix Suns Warriors Western Conference Finals is where we're heading and that That is is going to be be a bloodbath.
0: Yes, that is going to be an incredible (laughs) series. Jay Crowder (laughs) versus Draymond Green. Give it to me.
1: Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Booker, Clay. I mean, pool. I mean, ooh, that that series is. I'm, I'll stay up late. What I don't even care. That that is going to be like six that or is, seven incredible games.
0: That is going to be. Yeah, you said it. That's gonna be an incredible. Well, if it happens, which it's leaning toward that way. Man, that is going to be an incredible series. I, the fan part of me wants Phoenix to. Go to the NBA Finals because I want Chris Paul to win one before he retires. Because he's, yeah, he, I mean he, I know he's not that old, but he seems a lot older than he is, and he's playing his best basketball too, like right now. But CP3 needs to win a ring. Um, but yeah, it's hard for me to just bet against, literally and figuratively, the Golden State Warriors.
1: We've seen it too many times. I, I was, I was shocked when the Grizzlies beat them last night, honestly, I was shocked because it's like, we've seen this story a hundred times I and mean, clay clay's looking a little rough. That's one thing I've been watching is, I mean, he, he, he just came back from a big injury. Um, but yeah, it, it was just weird to see them lose. Cause we've seen the story a hundred times when, you know, and they just flourish new you know, it's like pull Gary Payton, Jr. Undrafted guy. It, they just continue to, to, to shell out just incredible playmaking shot makers.
0: Yeah. Two things. Um, wait, what shoot? now I totally just lost my train of thought for the first thing. So uh, the second thing was the reason why the Warriors lost is because Steph Corey was three of 11 from three Clay Thompson was two of 12 from three. So they were five for 23 overall and Clay Thompson was five of 19 from the four. And yet they still only lost by five, and that's with John Morant in forty-seven. That's, I mean, oh, that's that's not when Warriors won Game One in Memphis. The favorite, um, the most favorable series finish was Warriors to sweep for nothing. It was like plus two twenty-five, which was the favorite. To, obviously, if you bet that, you lost already because Memphis won last night. But the fact that, um. Clay Thompson and Steph shot as poorly as he did. Ja Morant went off for 47, and Memphis still only won by five at home. I think says a lot without really saying much at all.
1: Yeah. And if you if you watch that game, like I understand superstars are, are gonna win you games in the playoffs, but literally the last like 12 possessions of the Memphis Grizzlies were um, either, you know, very quick, like ISO for Ja or Desmond Bain set a pick for um for jaw he went to the corner jaw didn't pass to him and he just drove in i mean at, at some point that's going to tax him especially a guy that size like jaw is going to have a tough time doing that three more times against golden state so that's i'm not I'm, i don't have high hopes i would love to see it personally because grizzlies are very fun uh but man that that would be uh that would be a tough you know uphill climb for them to to take three more
0: yeah it would and I, it would be cool for the grizzlies grizzlies to go far too because former waiting for next year guy Jakey Stats, I know he's known as, but Jake Rosen, he's now in the, uh, I wouldn't call it front office. I forget his exact role, but he's now working for like a big timer for the Memphis Grizzlies. So that would be cool to see them go far. But yeah, like you said, uh, although I think I saw somewhere John Morant had like 12 of the Grizzlies' final 15 points or 15 of the last 17. It's crazy how they uh, leaned on their most improved player so much because he obviously wasn't that good prior to this, right?
1: Yeah. Well, he made a huge leap and no one really heard of him before la- this year. So yeah, he definitely deserved that award.
0: <laughs> but yeah. So you guys, I, we both had Boston, but then you had Phoenix and I had golden state. Just give me, I'm just golden state Phoenix seven game series. That will absolutely be a point television for all NBA fans. Absolutely. No question about it.
1: Yeah. And I'm right there with you. I know. Chris Paul has got some, you know, kind of a reputation around the league. He might be a little surly. I think he's almost thirty-seven, or he is thirty-seven. But man, he deserves it. He's he's one of he's one of, if not the best point guard of like my generation since watching basketball in the you know real early two thousands to now. And I, he deserves it. He he needs to get one. He's had bad in you know bad luck, bad injury luck to his teams. I want to see him get one. The mid range killer, Chris Paul. Just when you thought mid range
0: was. Leaving the NBA, Chris Paul comes and dominates the mid-range game in the NBA playoffs.
1: It's like you watch it and he does the same thing over and over again. But it, you just, what do you do with it? Because if you if you sag off him, he's going to shoot it. If you run at him, he's just going to lob it over your head to Aiton or McGee. So good luck. I don't know how you stop it. It's it's awesome to watch. (laughs) Yeah, I completely agree.
0: I. I don't know. I don't want Golden State to go to the finals again, but I just feel like it's going to happen just because they're just so dangerous. Like, if you – Jordan Paul, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, there's a good chance that two out of those three, although last night I guess I'm proving myself wrong because last night only one was on uh, shooting well. But there's a good chance that two out of those three at least are going to shoot well. And if two out of those three are shooting well, man, they're so hard to stop. They really are.
1: Yeah, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, it's <laughs> we've been seeing it for seven years now, and it's I, I just I don't know if if they're on, you're you're not going to beat them. You, they have to, you know, they have to go sub like thirty six percent, and then you you start to have a shot, <laughs> which is just crazy, but yeah, is what it is.
0: Unfortunately,
1: I just I'm
0: I know it sucks that the Cavs aren't in the playoffs, but these NBA playoffs have been tremendous, watching wise, and they're only going to get better because I mean if you have. Why am I completely losing? Who's the other East? Who are the other two teams in the East right now? Besides Boston and Milwaukee.
1: Oh, uh, so we've got Miami Miami. and the Sixers.
0: Yeah. So Miami Sixers, if Joel Embiid comes back, that won't be as good of a conference finals, but between whoever wins those, but man, if I mean, I'd even take Memphis versus Phoenix. That'd be a really good Chris Paul versus John Morant, the young, um, Grizzlies versus like a veteran, like Chris Paul, I know the Suns are still pretty young, just because Mikel Bridges and DeAndre Ayton. But whether it's Memphis or Golden State versus Phoenix, I mean, worst come to worst, it's versus Dallas, and you get Luca. That Western Conference Finals is going to be incredible.
1: Yeah, and speaking of Seventy Sixers Heat right now, Heat are up eight at halftime. Um, our our uh, Sixth Man of the Year. Tyler Heroes played 17 minutes, so he's on pace for 34, but Tyler Heroes got 16 points at halftime. Uh highest plus plus minus of the team at plus 12. So on pace for 34 minutes. Yep. 34 just saying, minutes. Just saying. And Philly needs, like you said, Philly needs MB back to have a shot. I mean, that's that's a real series if MB can come back. If not, it's just they just don't have a shot. It's just, it is what it is. I've said that twice now, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> they just really don't have a shot. I agree with you though. If they don't have Joel and MB back, it's it's over with. I don't know whether it's in me in four games, but there's no chance it goes more than six games.
1: No. Yeah. Hopefully the, and I guess they're, they're going to have home court for th- games three and four. So I don't know orbital fractures are weird. Like does, does Embiid come back with a mask on? Is this concussion going? Okay. It's, you know, I can't
0: it's... wait to see Joel Embiid play with a mask on. I think <laughs> it's gonna be hilarious.
1: That's a scary dude. <laughs>
0: I hope he wears like one of those all black ones like LeBron and Kyrie had too, not a clear one. Like LeBron in the all black mask, that was like a scary freaking dude. Like you don't want to mess with that dude if he's coming to the basket.
1: Those those Miami Heat clips of him in the mask, I mean, that's like that's as cool as someone can look, I think. He looked awesome. Like badass. <laughs> he looks so sweet. Oh <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. I just part of me wants Joel and B to come back just to make it a series part of me the other part of me wants James Harden to suffer cuz i hate the basketball player James Harden just cuz i never used to hate him he used to be a really good basketball player now i just hate his, his i hate his game and i hate his style of play so if he gets swept i'm happy with that too
1: yeah the the sole reason i want mb to come back is just to for the heat to have some kind of competition this series cuz it's like i don't want them waiting around for a week and a half you know for some beat up uh Milwaukee Bucks or or a Boston Celtics team. But yeah, it's come on, Embiid, get back. And like Embiid's another guy. It's like injury luck is just brutal. I mean, every year something happens. It's like, man, I would love to see him be able to play right now too. Even though he he kind of ticks me off when he gets a bunch of uh questionable foul calls against the Cavs. He's still awesome, so.
0: <laughs> Somehow we went from saying that this podcast wouldn't be an hour tonight to having this one be the longest Cavs cast we've had all season. So there we go. I guess I'll finish it off. Do you have any final thoughts, whether it's the Cavs, playoffs, NBA in general, offseason, anything at all?
1: Nope. Final thoughts are best of luck to our lottery balls. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. I am just I'm laughing because I am just imagining with pick number fourteen and it's not the Cleveland Cavaliers card. There might be like a little bit of like a an earthquake in downtown Cleveland in the surrounding area. Because reminder, I know I said this two weeks ago, and I will remind you again: if the Cavs don't get pick fourteen, so if the Cavs number is not called first, they automatically jump in the top four. Man, if oh, I can only imagine the NBA Twitter though, my goodness! Give it to me! Give it to me! We two weeks from now, we deserve so, it. That is May 17th, correct? I I keep getting the dates mixed up. Yep,
1: Tuesday, May 17th. Yep.
0: Because the NFL schedule is May 12th, so I keep getting those two dates mixed up. So, Seth and I, we will not be with you next week. Like we said last week, offseason, it will be every other week, and it perfectly lines up to where the NBA draft lottery is two weeks from now. So, we will be with you the night of May 17th, either laughing hysterically because the Cavs have a top four pick, or discussing – who are the prospects that will likely or who could be available at number 14 in the nba draft until then enjoy the nba playoffs um bet responsibly if you're betting i guess always since you're a clean fan always do the install state even though they're so damn good i hate to say that and yeah just enjoy these nba playoffs because they're freaking fun especially with the western Conference finals are going to start here in like a week or so so just enjoy them. I guess I guess oh man that's guardians level bad. But enjoy the NBA playoffs. I wish the Cavs were in it, but they're still fun to watch. And we will be back with you. May the night of May 17th for the NBA draft lottery. Until then, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Coming up on 5 minute news. I'm Anthony Davis.